0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Illustration Department podcast. My name is Giuseppe Castellano. In this podcast, I talk to folks in illustration, graphic design, publishing, animation, and other creative fields about their beginnings, their successes, and the bumps and bruises they've experienced along the way. In this episode, my guest is illustrator, author, and educator, Shadra Strickland. From time to time, illustrators can receive discouraging advice from well-meaning naysayers. Shadra did, but her dream to be a picture book creator would not be denied. Among the topics, Shadra and I talk about what led her to becoming a picture book creator despite the naysayers. We discuss realism and illustration and why it is not an out of fashion style, nor will it ever be. And Shadra shares the most important thing we artists need to remember about being artists. I hope you enjoy our conversation.
1: I went for a run this morning and cannot stop sweating, so I was like, wait, would you're like Skype, I'm like, wait, this is a podcast, right? Which is not live,
0: thank God for that. <laughs> oh, because me I too. I cannot
1: get it together. I me cannot too. get it together.
0: I fell off the uh, workout wagon over the past month, and mm. instead I've been shoving my face with Pop-Tarts. Mm. And uh, over the past couple of days, I've finally gotten back <laughs> on the... Like my workout is, you know, usually do a bike ride or a run and then do some mm-hmm. like in the basement kind of workout stuff. Yeah. Eating Pop-Tarts is better.
1: <laughs> but not better for you. <laughs>
0: I know. I know. Not
1: better for you. And then we're at the stage where
0: it's like you eat one Pop-Tart and you're like, why, uh-huh. why don't my jeans fit
1: anymore? Anyway. Not even that. Like, why does my hip hurt? Yeah. Because we're eating that Pop-Tart.
0: <laughs> Been there. Yeah. And I hit, like, I did some arm workout today. I haven't done arm workouts. And and it's not like I'm a gym rat or anything, but just some, you know, in your house stuff. And, uh, I haven't done it in a while. For
1: me, it's 10 push push-ups. Yeah. Yeah. That
0: that was included. And I went to brush my hair this morning to get ready for the day. And I just hit my forehead with the brush because my arm, I just couldn't lift my arm up all the way. It's that kind of day. It's that kind of day. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Um, when did you start teaching at Micah?
1: Um, I started in 2011.
0: The last time I remember—now, remember is the operative word here—us speaking uh-huh. was roughly 2011 or 12, when I was asked by Maryland State College of Art right. to come down and do some portfolio reviews and look at some mm-hmm. graduating students' work. It's when yeah. I met you. Yeah, I remember us sitting outside with Kristen Nobles, uh, okay. the other art director uh. guest.
1: Yep, yeah whitney sherman yes uh,
0: alan comport and maybe uh-huh. some other faculty i don't remember but we were all outside eating sandwiches from like a local place that yeah, you guys on the all hill. talked about it's
1: probably on the hill that's where we eat all the time
0: i i gotta say man i loved i'm from baltimore goes i way. didn't know that yeah okay. hashtag birdland and yeah um,
1: you, where in baltimore did you grow
0: up born in the city in uh, like the little Italy area when Mm -hmm. my parents moved came from Italy they settled in Baltimore City and then when I was born they were like we need more room we have lots of kids Mm -hmm. so they went out to the Mm -hmm. suburbs in and around like Parkville, Lutherville, Towson yeah Yeah.
1: I'm right up here I'm in Lauraville so I'm right right next to Parkville (laughs) I'm like I might be in your old house (laughs) You
0: never know. I love that part. I mean, I, I'm. It's not like I'm that far away from you. Actually, I'm in Southeast yeah. Pennsylvania, so okay. It was right just yeah, but you know, like growing up as an art fan in in around Baltimore. I mean, as a high school student, Micah was the goal until yeah. until RISD was the goal. Right. And it just
1: felt boo. <laughs>
0: anyway, it was a good memory. But how how are the students doing these days?
1: So yeah, last year was first uh, face-to-face interaction, and there's a whole crop of freshmen who had never set foot on campus, and so this idea of a Mica culture um, doesn't really exist for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was feeling like those sophomores who were coming back. This is like their first time back, not knowing where anything is, the print center, how things work. <laughs> um, so it was it was weird, but right. it was great to see people in person because teaching art. Online, um, it's just not as fun.
0: What well, What did you see as like the biggest challenge teaching online versus in person? I mean, I'm sure uh, there are many, but what's the one main one?
1: Yeah, the biggest challenge I think was really being able to develop those um, deeper relationships with students, and in, in the sense that. You know, when you're online, you're trying to spread your energy across like 16, 17 people at once. And then when you have those one-on-ones, which you have to, they go pretty quickly. And it's just, it's just not the same, you know, it's just not the same. Mm -hmm. Whereas in person, I tell many more jokes and um, it's just much more spontaneous being able to, I teach book illustration. Right. And being able to grab a book and, you know, flip through the pages. I could do it on Zoom, but it's just – it just wasn't the same. So, oh yeah.
0: You're like – you, like, yeah. hold a book up to your camera and you're like, can you see that? Can you, can you see that? Yeah.
1: Well, I had the the whole, like, setup where I had my iPhone as one camera on and I had my laptop camera on. So the iPhone was actually pointed down onto a table and I could show books. but But nice. um, – it still, it was still stressful. Mm. <laughs> and, and Zoom was soul sucking. Like at the end of every class, I really like had to go down into my basement and just decompress for 30 minutes. Yep. Like, it gave me headaches and anxiety, it just wasn't great. But uh, it's over, yeah. we're not gonna talk about the before times. We're gonna press forward nice. and, and be happy that we're gonna be face to face again.
0: Awesome. So, you studied at Syracuse. You studied design, illustration, creative writing. Yeah. After that, you found a relatively stable job teaching art in the Atlanta public school system. Yes. In spite of people saying to you that, quote, artists don't make any money, and, quote, uh-huh. there aren't many black women who illustrate picture books, and, quote, why don't you stay in Georgia and teach, mm-hmm. unquote, you continued your pursuit. Of picture book illustration and you went Mm -hmm. to SVA, you got your MFA, like your dream would not be denied. Where did this, where did that dream come from? You know, like where, what were the early days? Like when did you just, when did you realize, Mm. oh no, I'm going to be a picture book illustrator and writer. It's happening. Oh
1: yeah. Well, you know, sitting at the, the kitchen table with my grandmother and my mother when I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to own a magazine. I'm going to live in a penthouse in New York City and all these things. And so,
0: oh, wait, you don't? No. Oh, shoot. Yet. Hold on. Let me revise my notes here. Not yet. Yeah, not yet.
1: Cool. It's coming. It's yeah. coming. And So living in New York and being an artist was always... The goal, that was the thing. I mean, it was ju- it was the thing. My mother was super supportive. She's a, um, she was an educator. Mm-hmm. My grandmother was super invested in her children and grandchildren and living the dreams that she couldn't live. So I had a lot of support and um, I love to draw. I love to tell stories. So what else was I gonna do? You know, mm-hmm. I worked in um, some boring office jobs uh, for extra money throughout high school and college. And I knew that that wasn't my real life. You know, that was certainly not going to be it. And, yeah, so it was going to be art or, or nothing, you know. <laughs> Who
0: were these people that were saying these terrible things to you, by the way?
1: Uh, you know, well, some people, people are always well-intentioned, right? And so those comments were never you know, the finger wag of you're never gonna be an artist. They were people who thought they were trying to help. And so you're looking at, at that time, a 21, 22 year old who has a full-time job teaching art, um, and that was a big deal you know that was sure. a, it was a great gig I had a beautiful art classroom at one point <laughs> but at another point I was teaching art in like three different schools and one of the schools the art room was a, um, a stage and the other half of the room was the cafeteria for half of the day with oh. no sink no lights no when it was terrible um But yeah, these are people who believed in a steady paycheck, where it's like, you know, everyone wants to have a full-time job and have money. You can move out of your mom's house and have the apartment. And um, I taught under a provisional, which meant that in order to continue, I would have had to go back to school and get certified. But I refused because I was like, this is not my real life. And so (laughs) with the other, why don't you just be a designer? you know, people that I worked with. And again, these were not um, indictments of saying you're not going to be able to do it. It was just, you're doing this work now. You're pretty good at it. If you want something stable and health insurance, why don't you just stick around and do this? Uh,
0: I actually had a few people tell me over the years, like a cousin said, you'll never make it in New York. Um, Mm -hmm. My wife and I managed to live there for more than 20 years, had three kids and, you know, lots of great experiences. Um, Yeah. And I had a bully once in middle school said, said to me that you'll, I'll never be an artist. And that dude, I remember his name and every now and then, not so much anymore but in my twenties and thirties, when like, Mm -hmm. I was just like coming up and publishing and doing cool stuff as an art director, every now and then I was like, I wish I could find out where he is and like through Facebook or something and just message him and be like, Hey bro, guess what? You know? Because uh, I am spiteful like that. <laughs> Good. So I, I've, you know, I was doing some research on you. There was an interview that you had given where you mentioned this book called Alexander, mm-hmm. and it's illustrated by somebody that not a ton of people even think about or even remember, and that's Thomas Vromann, Vroman, V R O M A N. And for folks listening, look the dude up. He, that that first of all that book and. All the other books that he illustrated are absolutely stunning stunning stuff but what did i mean alexander why was that important to you
1: i yeah there's certain books that just stick with you and i remember the experience of the book which was me my grandmother had a glass table in her kitchen and i used to sit underneath while she and my mom talked and i would read and alexander was one of those books that i'd take with me and i think you know being an only child um the, the main character, Chris, uh, and having this imaginary friend who, you know, did all the terrible things that he wanted to do was just so funny to me. And the art was beautiful, you oh, know? I thought man. that, um, the cover was really striking the textures but also that sort of play between black and white and a spot color and then so to- mm-hmm. i don't know i just thought it was magical this mm-hmm. striped zebra i was obsessed with um fruit Stripe gum at the time and oh. that was sort of a connection for me as well um yeah but alexander was my jam yeah. I was
0: like totally now that eight. that striped gum i remember that when i was a kid Mm-hmm. It was the kind of gum that like it smelled good, it tasted good for about two seconds. Right, and right. And then you're like, and that's and it's done. And now yeah. it's tasteless. A little bit of interesting trivia about that that guy, about Roman. Mm. During World War II, mm-hmm. and there are this isn't just him. There are plenty of illustrators who like did this sort of thing where they would paint camouflage during wartime on like supplies, like army supplies okay. and stuff like that. He like worked with Generals Eisenhower and Patton.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: His job for them, they hired him to create detailed illustrations of London, like maps of London. And wow. then they used his illustrations of London, his maps of London to plan uh-huh. secret missions. That was Not, his uh, job.
1: Did he know that they were illustr- he was illustrating for secret missions? Or yes, did he, he, he did. Just... No, he was part Not,
0: of the army, yeah wow yeah and then he came home and he was like i'm gonna be a children's book illustrator
1: right right <laughs> <laughs> well you know doll was a spy and yeah. you know brought us many beautiful wonderful magical stories for kids
0: i love it i love yeah. it yeah um so your first book actually happened before grad school if i, right. if I understand correctly so that book was was a reader uh, yeah <laughs> and that was with Lee and Lowe and it was called big or little
1: Oh my God! The digging that you have done—I oh, I try to forget that certain projects exist okay? <laughs> still in the world. And yes, I was—I sent postcards out as my final assignment for senior year
0: from Sarah. And
1: I, yes, yeah. I hated all of my work. I was—I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing as an illustrator. But I had this drawing in my sketchbook of a little girl um, from a photograph, and I didn't. At that time, I was still. Um, not confident with drawing out of my head at all like mm-hmm. everything was super referenced and this and that but i did this super quick sketch and i really loved it so i used that for my postcard and got um bigger little through that which i still like why did anybody hire me for that terrible image the little girl didn't have any hands it was just <laughs> so, so lovely and bad you hid her feet behind
0: um, blades of grass you're like uh, right
1: well no she didn't have feet it was a, yes. it was a close-up it was Uh, (laughs) She was cropped at the hips essentially, but yeah, that it got me a job and I'm super grateful for that uh, first opportunity. And I'm still uh, really thankful to Lee and Lowe and close with people from um, that part of my life. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) You said that after years of hard work and rejection, your break, your break, I'm Mm -hmm. uh, quoting break because that's a whole other conversation about breaking in. But anyway, your break came from this like um, impromptu meeting with an editor at the society mm-hmm. of illustrators original art show. Was this the same editor who yes. had worked with you on big and little or big and yep. or little?
1: Yep. It was the same editor, Jennifer um, France at that time. And
0: what did she say? To you, you know,
1: I was at the original art show looking at work and she's like, Shadra, I kept sending postcards and samples as one does Mm -hmm. and uh, she's like, I've been getting your your postcards. I'd love for you to come down to the office um, to show your portfolio and I was like, cool. So we set up a day and I went down, showed my work and everyone said, thank you and sent me home (laughs) and so I followed up with an email to thank them for having me and to ask if there was any specific reason that she wanted me to come down and um, the response was actually yes i have this manuscript in mind i'm you know um clearing things with the author um but we'd really love for you to work on this project and that was bird wow
0: and you were like all right cool i got this or did you like you were just very professional in the meeting and then you walked out of the building and you know did one of those like you know flip outs
1: (laughs) no well the meeting people were really like had their poker faces on Mm -hmm. you know so I didn't get a read on the editors. Everyone was just friendly, but there was no ooing and eyeing over right. <laughs> over the work. And that was why I sent the follow-up email to just kind of test and see what, 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 uh, what was going on. Right. And once she sent me the manuscript, there were tears, there were phone calls, there were jumping up and down, all those things.
0: You know, I didn't know this, but... Um... Cause I mean, it's not like, you know, you and I are close or anything, but you know, I know who you are. I've followed your career and stuff, but I didn't know you worked at Penguin for a while.
1: I was, I did the internship. Look, yeah. when I got New York I was a gangster I was like I want to do everything I want to meet everybody I was cold calling across the city doing Love portfolio it. drop-offs when they were not super popular um but me and uh at that time Jonathan Bean, Lauren Castillo, Taylor Yu, Paul Hoppe um we all at SVA together and we were all um trying to get the career started mm-hmm. and so yeah I did everything that I could yeah, and I ended slinging up and- it Mm-hmm. Just slinging it. That's right. It's uh, worked under Cecilia Young and Smadar Megid. And um, it was a really great opportunity and learning experience um, just to be able to hold original artwork. I drooled over tons of Patricia Polacco drawings and read everything Jackie Woodson wrote in the back room. Yep. You know, so yep. it was it was an education. It was great.
0: Yeah. I can't believe you just mentioned Semadar. I. Yeah. She was... So Semedar Magad was... Uh, well, she was an art director for Philomel, mm-hmm. for folks who don't know. And uh, and uh then Cecilia Young is art director currently at... uh What is it? uh I think Penguin Books for Young Readers. I don't remember yeah. exactly the imprints. But anyways, Semedar was my Yoda.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: when I worked... At, when I moved over to Penguin in 2011, I was introduced to her and mm-hmm. she was this like wise sage calming presence yes any free time i had you know i was like my designers are doing okay they don't need me i'm gonna go walk over to seminar's office You're right and i would walk in and she and i would just talk she would show me books she would talk about art she would give me plant clippings uh-huh. it broke my heart when she left penguin yeah. it was like where is yeah. the you know my yoda has gone now i need to for
1: sure you know i think mean, you just of wanted delightful human being and yes, very calming. She was the one who taught me, you know, in terms of design rules that the text should land in similar spots throughout the book. So your eye doesn't travel around right. just little yeah. things that you don't think about, right? Totally. Um she was lovely. And Katrina Domkohler, who was also there with me and just starting her career, um, and we still keep in touch. It's, it's just wild. This whole like, book life of mine and mm-hmm. all the people that have been in it for the long haul. It's wonderful.
0: Oh, yeah. There's overlap, 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 mm-hmm. overlap all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's true what people say. Like Publishing is a small community in mm-hmm. that way. It's I think it's a giant community in terms of like opportunities for illustrators. You know, I think a lot of illustrators tend to feel and rightfully so because, you don't. it's impossible to know everybody who's out there. But everyone tends Mm -hmm. to think or feel at least that, oh, God, it's it's either like Penguin or Random House or Macmillan or Little Brown Mm -hmm. or Lee and Lowe and bust. No, there's plenty of room out there for that. But when it comes to just like connections, when you start meeting people, then all of a sudden that person knows the person, you know, and.
1: Right, right. Anyway,
0: you mentioned drawing from reference. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: This is something I'm really glad to have you here because it's a conversation topic that has definitely been coming up a lot more lately for some reason. This idea that, you know realism let's call it or representationalism whatever it is that you are currently doing Mm -hmm. i don't know who's perpetuating this myth that this style this you know this sort of like straight down the middle approach where like kids look like kids it's a classic it's that garth Mm -hmm. williams it's that Mm -hmm. eh shepherd kind of like this is here's a ankle bone you know sort of thing is no longer on vogue it's no longer what publishers Mm -hmm. are looking for And Mm. I I have these conversations with illustrators on a day-to-day basis and the Mm. typical reaction, it's almost like they'll, if I could boil down what everyone says into like a a one kind of experience sort of thing, it's like they go to the bookstore for like 17 minutes. Mm -hmm. They see half a dozen books where characters are super cartoony with gigantic like Mr. Potato Head eyes. (laughs) Or it's like, Super painterly Mary right. Blair ripoff. And then they come back to their home and they're like, well, I guess nobody wants realism. Right. Which is not true.
1: No, it's not true. Okay. Not at all. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, my heroes um, when I was coming up uh, in Art Steel, uh, Pat Cummings, uh, Tom Feelings, Jerry Pinkney, uh. James Ransom, you know, the homies. And so, <laughs> When I was in bookstores 100 years ago, oh, God, I just I just called them, oh, look, let me roll it back. <laughs> when, I <was> in, <laughs> when I was in bookstores looking at this work, um, and in terms of looking at African-American picture books specifically, that's sure. all I saw. That's what people were hiring. Yeah. And I speak to a lot of librarians about this because this is on my mind. I feel like now we're at a stage where We have um, African American illustrators specifically being much more um, imaginative, much more inventive in terms of character design than you would have seen um, 10, 15 years ago. And one of the librarians to me, I think it was this Deb Taylor that I was talking to, said, You know, well, for Shadra, for so many years, African Americans were not depicted um, well at all, Mm -hmm. you know, in a good light. Mm -hmm. And so, Having black children look like black children and be beautiful was really important in the industry, and parents and teachers and librarians needed to see that. And I was like, "Huh, I never thought about it." So I I think that now we're in a space where um, we have room to be more playful, you know, um, progress, right? But I still think that there is room for realism. Um, I noticed that people who are working representationally are still taking um, liberties and using some other elements of imagination. I think about Brian Collier specifically, who, you know, definitely is working with likenesses, but is being super playful with collage and opening up um, shape language and things like that Mm -hmm. around it. Um, I
0: think Keith Henry Brown, you could put in that category as well.
1: Absolutely. Representational, but then
0: taking some stylistic chances for sure.
1: Right. And so what opened my world up when I was trying to break into the business and thinking about who I was as an illustrator was seeing, you know, like Greg Christie's work. And I'm like, what? This is so cool. And then seeing Kadir Nelson's earlier work with he was doing like Big Jabe and all those where it looked like people, but they look like characters. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. You know, mm-hmm. so I like this sort of middle ground. Personally, I think that um, super representational work where you're you can tell the person is painting directly from a photograph uh, does look a little bit dated and technology has come such a in such a long way that I don't think it's necessary for artists to work that way. So hmm. you know at Syracuse I was taught that that's how you how you were. You took photographs, you projected them, Ditto. and then you painted. And that's that's how you make an illustration. Yep. It took me a, such a long time to unlearn that and to give myself permission to be an artist, to learn how to draw, to let some not so great drawings live on the page and be okay with it for the sake of the storytelling and you know the deadline. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't think that representational work is. Um, I also don't care about trends in that way, you know, as an artist, I just have to make the thing the best way that I can. And I do enjoy playing around with real people, you know, drawing real, real real-ish people. And that's just what it is. (laughs) Yeah, I, I...
0: I, I tell illustrators you know like obviously like make sure you've got your artistic license out and right next to you on the table you know make sure mm-hmm. you you know that it exists yes draw from reference yes pull from reference but like you said if you're just copying it right. that's not what we're talking about we're talking right. about interpreting it right and i spoke with someone earlier today who is worried that they'll they'll use too much of the photograph and then and then it'll be some you know some little liability issues or copyright infringement issues. I'm like, you need to, then don't, it's not a one-to-one. It's not about like, oh, that right. photographer did a great job composing this scene. I'll just do that. No, you got to piece it together exactly. in your own exactly. way and then interpret that in your own way. And it becomes something entirely new.
1: And I think, I think a lot of young illustrators forget that, photography is also an art form, right? And so when you're looking at beautiful photographs online, those were thoughtfully crafted, you know? Mm -hmm. So you do not take it and just paint what you see and replicate another artist's work is, you know, um, plagiarism. So, but people don't necessarily think that way about photography. And I think part of that is um, maybe some illustrators just don't have that love and appreciation for other art forms that they need to develop, right? right? And so the more that you look at paintings, the more that you look at photography, the more that you study these other artists who are making things other than illustration, the more that you begin to appreciate the work that goes behind those uh, those those ways of working as well. Right.
0: I think we we definitely need to fold Floyd Cooper into this.
1: Oh, Floyd, yes. Floyd was hilarious. Can I just say, I have a Floyd Cooper story. When I was at a book festival, we I always sat next to him at the African American Book Festival in Philly. And this woman comes up with a, a Kadir Nelson book. She goes to Floyd and was like, oh my, are you Kadir Nelson? And he's like, no, no, I'm Floyd Cooper. He's like, but you want me to sign your book? And she was like, yes, please. And so he signs a Kadir Nelson book. I said, Floyd, whose name did you sign? He was like, mine. I said, you have a problem. You oh, have a problem. my God. It was the best. He oh was such God. a delight. And yeah. the work that he was making um later on in his career was just absolutely wonderful and magical and i yep. felt like he was really free in making that work um uh yeah he's definitely going to be missed
0: totally i i'm so thankful that i had the chance to talk to him on the podcast nice and uh it's just he just, i mean it was early in the morning and he had pulled almost an all-nighter but yet he still mm-hmm. we've recorded he still he went to bed for maybe an hour or two because he was working at hot and heavy on finishing the finals for a book and and like hey Floyd and he's like, hey man, it's early'
1: <laughs>
0: uh, it such a good converse, conversation. Um, do you ever or did you ever receive pushback from publishers on the I, I hate I'm not this isn't the right way of saying this this style the realistic because it's not real. It's not real.
1: Representational. Representational. representational.
0: Did you ever receive pushback? Do you currently receive pushback?
1: No, not at all. Hmm. Not at all. I think, um, given where my career has gone, I think, you know, and I tell illustrators, when people hire you, they hire you for the thing that you do. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. Like no one has ever said, oh, we love your work, but can you make it a little more uh, mid-century modern? Right. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, no, I've never never received any pushback there. And I think that my work still has a lot of imagination and play in it. And I hope that kids, you know, relate to that. Um, It's never just about nailing the likeness, you right. know, it's, it's definitely about the expression and the storytelling and all that mm-hmm. for sure.
0: You, when you like approach a different project, you also kind of stylistically th- thought like, which, how do I, how do I approach this book differently than the previous book? It's because right. it feels different. It, you know, the story is different. It's calling mm-hmm. for a different kind of visual vessel. Exactly. Does that not bother quote, bother you, that <laughs> you're working in different, quote, styles?
1: Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I think that I, well, it doesn't bother me. I think about it. And I think about myself as a mid-career artist now and what that means, right? And so there are times, especially when you think about sales figures and all of that, when I'm like, man, you know, no one will see my body of work and think that it's all, some people might, but think that it's all connected because I don't have the one style. Like you look at Jerry Pinkney and it's always Jerry, always, all the time, right? Um, Beautiful drawing, beautiful painting. And I feel like each book asks for something different. You know, A Child's Book of Prayers and Blessings is one that I did that um, I did all lino cut which i will never do again and i wanted to do that because it was a younger audience and i wanted to focus on shapes and color a little bolder yeah a little bolder just mm. simpler or simplified yeah. and looking at it now i'm like you know what i could have maybe attached the the, the way that i worked for bird or place where hurricanes happened to that but it just didn't feel right you know so mm. It it doesn't bother me, I think about it. And I'm thinking about my first author illustrated book that will come out in January, jump in. And I feel like even that, it was my first time working digitally. It feels like me, but it's still not a consistent thing. It's, you know, I haven't worked this way before. So uh, it's tricky it's really tricky. But I think about my life, you know, I'm an illustrator. I'm, I, think, I think that I do everything just kind of for for play. I don't do anything for real. So professor, you know, for fun mm-hmm. and um, illustrator for fun, writer for fun. I'm an agent now for fun, you know, but there isn't one thing. There are lots of different things. And i'm happy with that it feels natural and people keep hiring me so i guess it's working (laughs) do you ever
0: do you ever have a meeting where you you come in or you you know you submit as an agent you're submitting you know illustrators to an editor or an art director or something and they're like yeah thanks for this shadra but um are you available
1: (laughs) no that that never happens it never happens all right good You know, and and to the credit of art directors and editors, you can't just hire anyone to make your book, right? Like, there's a a voice to these stories, and you're looking for a specific point of view, style, way of working, and... um, yeah it's not always me it's rarely me when people come to me for uh my artists um i'm never in the conversation and i i love that you know it yeah. keeps it clean um and i still have an agent so you know people go to her for me yeah, there <laughs> but you go. i stay out of the conversation otherwise
0: <laughs> that's gotta be a little I don't, I don't know man do you find sometimes that you're you're topsy-turvy like you're just like which way is up right now
1: um only when i'm teaching I'm on sabbatical now, so I'm away for a year, and I feel so peaceful and and relaxed. Um, Being an agent is um, an extension of what I do in the classroom. I work with author illustrators, and I help them develop their own stories. So that's kind of my sweet spot. That's where I live as an agent. Um, Because of that, I'm not having to agent every day. Because when one of my artists are hired, you know, they're hired for a book, which is going to be at least six months of them mm-hmm. working. So mm-hmm. um, I have a very small group that I work with, and it feels more like mentorship than anything. Um, and because I work under the umbrella of an, of an agency, I don't handle um, promotion and all that kind of stuff, I, you know, or contracts. We have a lawyer for that. Oh, so my spot. job... right. Yeah, so my my job is really in the development area, you know, and just Amazing. coaching. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. I mean, if there's I've seen a few folks they are like um consultants. They're not necessarily agents for an agency. Mm-hmm. They're they're um scouts
1: mm-hmm.
0: or consultants or mentors. And if they're, mm-hmm. you know, for if there's an agent listening who runs an agency and they need somebody to kind of like come in and just, you know, do a little peripheral development for their illustrators. Yeah. Hit me up because that sounds fun.
1: Yeah, not you that know, I have it, it,
0: any time for that, but I ah, whatever. <laughs>
1: It's. I mean, we work with a lot of, and so because of because of uh, teaching, a lot of my clients are former students, and it was really like, oh, this is a great project. We we need to sell it. Like, let's let's go ahead and make this happen. But we also have critique groups within the agency where I work with other artists, and it is that where I'm looking at thumbnails, I'm looking at oh, final yeah. art. Um, and it's, it's an, and I share my work as well. So it's a really nice community. Um, and I've been with painted words for since 2008. Um, so since it feels like, school, you know, right? yeah, yeah. My art family. Yeah. <laughs> My yeah. family. Um but I got lucky. You know, I teach professional development at MICA, which is one of my core classes, and um along with Alan Comport. And that's where I really started to learn more about contract language and all the workings of how to run that business. And yeah. so um I was able to bring a lot of different points of view to to the agency.
0: I remember sitting with Alan and he was telling me did he co-found Shannon Associates, or was he one of their early agents, and he still is? I'm not sure what his role is.
1: Yeah, he was one of their early reps. Okay, but he's not working with them anymore. I know he still keeps in touch and will refer people, but he's yeah. not working with them anymore.
0: Um. <laughs> If Micah is listening, you need to update your website because it says he currently works with Sorry. Shannon. But anyway, he was telling me about the early days of Shannon Associates, and for folks listening, I think Shannon Associates is, is, a, is like, you know, talking about baseball and you mentioned the Yankees or something. Like pretty much everybody in the illustration world knows what Shannon is. He was saying that one of the early days, Tamara Shannon, I think it mm-hmm. was, had her art, she her studio or her apartment in New York was so small, she needed a place to hold her illustrator's portfolios so so she put them in her oven <laughs> as a flat file
1: I love it <laughs>
0: I I I so truly want to believe it that's true what he said I I it's I
1: It's absolutely true. Listen, I talk to my student, they're like, you know, in professional development, we talk about how you get these jobs. How do you become an art director? How do you become an agent? And every time I'm like, how does one become an agent? They're like, oh, well, I'm like, do you go to agent school? And they're like, no, like maybe business classes. I'm like, maybe not. I think that a lot of agents probably, I won't say probably, some agents may have, and I know a few that this is true for You know, knew an artist and that artist needed help showing their portfolio around. And that's kind of how they got started. Yeah, you know, totally. (laughs) the end. The end. But, you know, the people really need to demystify the business and not take it so seriously in terms of thinking about gatekeepers. At the end of the day, we all are appreciators and lovers of art and beauty and story. And that's it. (laughs) You know, and we all play a role in making these really cool objects um, that people hopefully enjoy. Through your
0: work with multiple publishers, Lee and Lowe, s Random House, I mean, you've, you know, you've worked with a lot of folks, you've been honored and recognized by the Ezra Jack Keats Foundation, NAACP, <laughs> American Library Association, and others. You're a leader in the field of illustration, you're a, prof- a respected professor, you know, all of these things. But what about being a illustrator drawing painting composition public speaking marketing whatever could do you do you think about and say you know what I could live without that pain
1: oh um deadlines the only <laughs> thing that I can live without um I also you know I am I am an introvert I'm a fake I'm a fake extrovert, so I can turn it on when I need to turn it on, and I have to do that in the classroom. Um, but it takes a lot for me to be out and traveling and doing the public speaking stuff. Yeah. I enjoy it, but I literally have to come home and be quiet for days. <laughs> um, usually get migraines, all that. So that's that's stressful. It's fun, but it's t- just taxing on my, my nervous system.
0: <laughs> you said something that I had to put down and talk to you about, and that is, quote, as hard and painful as it is to create, it is also one of the greatest and rarest joys that most people never experience,
1: mm-hmm. unquote. Mm-hmm.
0: In, the, in the context of, you know, people want mm-hmm. to be illustrators because they want to, yes, create art, but they want to support themselves through that art. It isn't true that artists don't make any money. It's mm-hmm. true that some artists don't make any money, but mm-hmm. this is a commercial right. endeavor. I hate right. to break it to everyone, but you're a commodity. Yeah, your art is a commodity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You don't like it, tough shit. It's commercial <laughs> art. It is communication right. art. It's not fine art, and even and that's a whole other conversation. That too is a commodity. It's some arguably, anyway. <sighs> but as hard and painful as it is to create, because it is oh my god, hard and painful, pain
1: and misery, pain and misery. It is Every pain time. and
0: misery. <laughs> it is it. It truly is one of the greatest and rarest joys. Like I sometimes even when I'm frustrated and I hate my drawing and I hate my painting, the the fact that I can actually put together a drawing that mm-hmm. looks like my daughter
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I look at that and I frame it and I look at it and years later I look at it and going like, holy crap, I did I did that?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is something that I think everyone should, as a reminder, I'm not saying no one appreciates it, but as a reminder, I think everyone yeah. should appreciate the fact that you're Jedi, you have a special power. You do something right. that very, very, very few people can even possibly, can even conceive of they can't even think about like what do you mean draw an apple that that doesn't compute
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so even at your lowest low when you get rejections you know people just aren't responding to your emails or you know whatever you get some idiot on instagram saying you suck Mm -hmm. whatever it is just i think that is the foundation of all of it it is hard (laughs) but oh my god is it rare and is it amazing
1: yeah yeah you know when i think about how many minutes and hours we have on this floating rock and what we can be doing with that. The fact that we can make and create um, beauty is so special. You know, I think that if I look at these, these people who were spies, you look at Dahl, you look at Roman who worked with governments to, you know, bomb and war and all the things Mm -hmm. that we do um, to be able to switch lanes and create and be peaceful and not lead to (laughs) destruction is what most people should aim to do, right? Mm -hmm. I think about all of the discontent in the world. And I always say to my friends, I'm like, if people tapped into their creative source um, and really spent time with it, nurtured it, um, played around with it, I think they'd be much better off. Yeah. 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 But it is pain and misery. <laughs> Every second of it, it's also painful and miserable.
0: <laughs> is it as painful for you and miserable for you today as it was when you were graduating from Syracuse?
1: Uh, um, it's it's just a different, it's a different conversation. Uh, Pat Cummings once told me, mm-hmm. um, she said, like, remember to have fun.
0: Yeah. You know, I my nickname for Pat Cummings was uh, she's the fairy godmother of illustrators.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pat and I have standing uh, dates where we just Zoom and chit chat and commiserate about teaching and the work and all of it. She is an amazing, giving, hilarious human being. Yeah,
0: she uh, Mm -hmm. she was one of the first in my career, if not the first person to bring teaching illustration to the Mm -hmm. forefront of what I could do. Mm. she one time i think she was stuck in san diego she was doing a conference and she got stuck and she emailed me and said i have a class at pratt uh do you mind just dropping in and doing it's just a you know it's a children's book thing just roll in and critique their sketches right yeah no problem pat and i did and and she just since then at that point she just really supported the idea that i could teach illustration and um, yeah and she and she's among other hundreds of things that she's done for me, my career, my designer's Mm -hmm. careers, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd email her and be like, Hey, Pat, I'm looking for an assistant. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, and I got your names. Here you go. Boom.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, Pat, I mean, Pat got me my first job in publishing part-time gig at Bloomsbury. And it was that thing where the um, Donna Marcus, the art director still is there and called her up. was like, I'm looking for an assistant and one of her students, well, I'm looking for a part-time designer. And one of her former students was leaving the position and, you know, she recommended me and, and there it was. Yeah. So because of her, I got that. And I also um, assisted Chris Myers for a bit and it was just, she's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There
0: you go. Yeah. Uh, my gosh. I didn't, I did not plan on talking about Pat or Samadar. Like, wow, <laughs> this is old school here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have lots of illustrators listening Okay. Some students, some mm-hmm. young, some old, some all sorts. What would be one thing that you would hope all illustrators understood about illustration?
1: That it's supposed to hurt a little bit. If if it doesn't, I, I feel like you're not doing it right. <laughs> 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 supposed to be a little bit faithful. And also, you know, give yourselves a break. Keep making the work. That's number one. Keep making the work and showing the work um, and find joy in in that, right? Um, I get the pressures of wanting to launch a career. I was there. And for a couple of years, I was really dark and miserable in New York and not having any work. Um, but I honestly was not ready. You know, I look back on The old stuff that I was doing before um, my career, air quotes, took off. And it wasn't great. (laughs) You know, it wasn't authentic. I was illustrating what I thought. I should be illustrating based on what other people were doing and it wasn't until um, I was playing around on my sketchbook drawing on location and really enjoying the process of making images that things began to shift for me um, so I would say that's all I don't know what I just said in terms of the one thing those are a few things and um, you know make make pictures that, that matter to you, that you have fun with. My most successful images, um, be it successful that they've made me a lot of money in my Etsy shop or gotten attention in some way to lead me to other projects, are always the pieces that I do for myself and not the work that I do for um, commissions. So I would just rest in that. And then you have to get into that sweet spot when you do get the commission where you are also making it for you and not just trying to complete the job to further your career and you know become a superstar.
0: To learn more about Shadra, visit jumpin.shadrastrickland.com. Instead of my usual closing, I wanna tell you that the illustration department's first annual Illustrator's Day, or IDID, is now open for registration. The IDID is a one-day online event in which professionals from the field of illustration share their insight and advice. We'll hear from Amanda Burden, curator of the Brandywine Museum, and art directors Kay Frazier and Jim Hoover. Visit illustrationdept.com slash classes slash IDID to learn more and sign up. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and I hope to see you.